Well, we are continuing a series today called Love Dates and Heartbreaks, and uh, I don't know if you've caught any of the installments up to this point, but if you missed any, you can go online and you can find it also on our app and, and find out uh, kind of all the stuff that we've been talking about over the last few weeks. But I, I will spend some time catching you up, so you're kind of like, if you're worried, you're like, I don't know what's going to, I'll help you, I promise. Uh, but I do want to kind of just start with this, uh, answering the question, who's this series for? This series is for anybody that is in a romantic relationship or desires to even be in a romantic relationship. And for those of you that are married, maybe you need to bring some of that romance back to your relationship in Jesus' name. Amen? I'm just telling you, I've talked to some of you. You need to say amen a little louder in Jesus' name. Come on. All right. Well, this whole series is kind of comes out of this this burden that I have, and that is that uh, when I see people that are making decisions, that those decisions undermine the relationships that they want to have, uh, I know that there's trouble. And so part of what breaks my heart is watching people make decisions that undermine the relationships that they want to have. And so we've been talking a lot about that. And one of the things that we've laid a foundation for is that Jesus had something to say about love. Did you know that? I mean, we hear about that. And and one of the things that he says, and it was a very simple thing, very clear thing. And that was, I want you to love people the way that I've loved you. Now, that's a very simple phrase. It's a very straightforward idea, but it's not necessarily easy, is it? I mean, when you look at that, you think, well, Jesus gave everything for me. And I mean, it's like, how do I, how do, I do that? How do I live sacrificially with other people? Well, the good news is the Bible doesn't just stop there. Paul, the apostle Paul, goes ahead and starts to write even further, begins to kind of elaborate on what Jesus said. And so I want to just give you a brief summary of 1 Corinthians chapter 13. That was what we talked about love being over the last few weeks. And so we'll give you a brief summary. The Bible says, maybe you've heard this at a wedding, love is patient, right? Love is kind. It's not jealous. And everybody's like, ooh, it's so cute. It's so beautiful. Yeah, but we, but we read that and we're like, that's not easy, right? Love, it's not arrogant. It's honoring, it's selfless, it's not easily angered, come on. It doesn't keep score, it's protecting, it's trusting, it's hopeful, and it's persevering. These are powerful ideas that Paul begins to tease out of that statement that Jesus made that we really have to consider when we think about having relationships that reflect what Jesus was all about. And so we've laid that foundation. That's the foundation we've laid. And so today, I want to build a little bit on that foundation by talking specifically about the date portion of this series. So we've talked about love, but today I want to spend a little time talking about dates and dating. Uh, and, and I suspect some of you have been on dates. Some of you have been on really awful dates. Some of you have maybe been on great dates and maybe that ended someday in a marriage or something. I don't know. I don't know what your experience is. But, but, but we live in a culture that dates, like that's just part of the culture we're a part of. But here's the fundamental principle that I want you to get today. Here, here it is. If you don't want a relationship like the majority of relationships, then don't date like the majority of daters. Let me say it again. If you don't want 
right? If you don't want a relationship like the majority of relationships, then don't date like the majority of daters. We have to do something different. As you look around the world and you see like, wow, why is that happening? Oh, you, you start to figure out that there's a lot of people doing a lot of stuff. They're dating in certain ways and it's leading to certain results. And the thing that we have to look at is that if we go down that path and if we do it that way, then we're going to get those kinds of results. And so Paul and Jesus paint a different picture for us. And so Paul sets us up really good at the end of chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians. He writes something that I think is kind of, it should make you uncomfortable. It's a statement that you're like, Paul, are you, are you calling me a child? Like, I mean, it's, it's just like, it's, it's unsettling. I'll read it to you. You're like, okay, what, what is it? 1 Corinthians 13, starting in verse 11. He says, after he's talked about all the love stuff, right? Love is this, love is that, love is this. He goes with, when I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. Are you getting it? And then he says, when I became an adult or when I became a man or when I became a woman, I put away or I put away the childhood stuff. I put childhood behind me. I put that stuff away and I began to live like an adult. So what is he saying? He's saying that the way we're loving people sometimes looks pretty childish. Hmm. I don't know about you, but I don't like being called a child. I, I mean, I, I don't like that. I mean, as an adult, it's like, you're a child. You're acting like a child. Oh, I know you didn't. You call me no child. You're a child. That's why you always go back with. You're a child. Your face. But we hear Paul say this, and it's just kind of like, man, that is rough. Because you look at it, and you're like, you start to kind of figure out that, you know, maybe I do act like that sometimes. Like, think about kids, you know. They can be really selfish, can't they? They can be pretty selfish. They want what they want when they want it. And sometimes that's how we treat each other as adults. Like that's how we act. And here's what's interesting. It's like as, as people grow from children to adults, it seems like as you get there, if you're right in the head on some level, you start to figure it out. You start to say, well, I need to act like this at work, right? I need to do this over here. I need to I need to become an adult, whatever that looks like. And so you start to do it. But for some reason, in the area of dating, it's like we just stay children. Like we can do adult stuff in all kinds of areas. But for some reason, when it comes to dating, we act like children. Now, I know you, you're probably not that way. I mean, you've never acted like a child in a dating relationship. But, but that's what Paul is trying to get us to see. That sometimes we are acting like children and he's calling us to a higher standard. He's saying, don't do that. Don't act like that. Matter of fact, he's getting right in our face and I don't like it. And he's saying, grow up. Grow up. How many of you like that, right? You're just like, I don't, I don't, I don't like that. I don't like the way that feels. I get it. I get it. But we have to deal with what the scripture says. 
We have to deal with the fact that Paul is saying we've got to function differently. If we're followers of Jesus, we have to act differently. And so I'm going to step on your toes a little bit this morning. Is that okay? I mean, you guys are adults, right? Huh? You guys are adults. And so I'll, I'll push a little bit because my heart is, is that you would have great relationships. That you'd have great relationships. Not just kind of average, but in order to have great relationships, we have to love the way that Jesus loved us. I think it's interesting that we take something like dating, which is really designed for grown-ups, right? Dating is something that's been designed for grown-ups. And if you give it to a child, it's probably going to seem pretty complicated, isn't it? I think that our relationships are complicated because we're acting like children. It's not just that they're complicated. No, no, no. It's we make them complicated. We are the ones that are making relationships complicated, and we just have to take ownership of that. And I think the thing is, is when we want to blame everybody, we're like, yeah, that person and this person and that person, and maybe it is that person and this person, but you are a part of it. And how we act, if it is childlike, then we've just got to own that. We can't just kind of dismiss it. But ultimately, I think when you take an adult activity and give it to a child, it becomes complicated. And everybody in the room went, oh. Children are naturally impatient. You know, they're selfish. I want what I want. I mean, maybe you've acted that way. I know I've acted that way in relationships with people. And Paul is just getting right up in our grill. And he's saying, grow up, grow up. I don't like it. Here's the thing about the New Testament. The New Testament talks about love a lot. Like love is all over the New Testament. But one of the things that the New Testament doesn't speak about is dating. I, mean, I don't know if you noticed that, if you've ever read it. I mean, it talks all about love, but it doesn't say anything about dating. And so if you're in a place where you're like, I don't know how to date, or I say, well, I just look at the world and I see that's how they date, so I, I, I must date like that. But that's not what we want. We don't want the same results. And so we've got to do it differently. And so what I want to do is spend a little time talking about how to do it well. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to share five rules for dating. Now, it's important you understand this. This is not something that, that is just coming like I'm reading it straight from the scripture. Because I just told you that, that that's not there. So, so in some ways I'm making all this stuff up. It's my opinion. And again, I'm not saying that I'm right, but I am saying that I bring some wisdom to these statements and I bring some biblical knowledge to these statements. And so I'd love for you to consider these five rules because I actually think they'll help you if you'll take hold of them, if you'll do something with them. And so we're going to jump in to the five rules of dating by Daniel Taylor right here. Now, before we get started, I need to speak to the men a little bit. Or I need to tell you something more, more than this. I need to tell you something about men, okay? So if you're confused or you're unclear, here are a few things that you need to know about men in order to have successful relationships. Ladies, here it is. If we don't have to, we won't.
Okay? If we don't have to, we won't. That's an important step. you you got to understand this. The next one that you have to understand about men is if you step in, if you step in, ladies, we will step back. Get a hold of that. You write that down and chew on it later. If you step in, usually men will step back. It's important you get this. Now, I'm laying some foundation for you for some of the things I'm going to say. But you've got to get a hold of this. And now you'd be like, well, that's just fooey. That's old stuff. That's that old way of thinking. Well, whatever. You can say whatever you want. I'm just telling you what works. I'm telling you that this is real stuff. God designed men a certain way. And you can argue with me till you're blue in the face. I don't really care. But I know men. Matter of fact, as far as I know, I am one. And so it's important you understand these two principles as we begin to jump into these these five rules. Okay, the first one, I'm going to talk to you men for a second. Men, listen up. This is you. The first rule is for you. Men, ask girls on dates. That's it. You're like, that's it? Yeah, that's it. Now, I'm going to help you. Look, men, what I've found is a lot of times guys, they'll come to ladies or, and they'll say, hey, uh, you, you want to hang out? Like, it's just, it's, that's it. It's like, hey, uh, you, you want to hang out sometime? I don't know why when I do men voices, I sound like Rocky. Hey, yo. But here's what I'm saying. Ask women out. But when you ask women on dates, I say that, ask a woman on a date, you need to be specific. You need, hear me now. You need to be specific. So if you come to a lady and you say, hey, you want to hang out, what does that mean? This is how it works. This is how you should do it. Hey, I've got tickets to the Blues game on Wednesday. Would you like to come with me? See that? See how specific I was? Now, why is that important? There's a couple of reasons why that's important. One, it gives the girl a choice to either choose to opt in or choose to opt out in a very specific way. It's very clear. It's very specific. Now, she could say, no, I can't because I've got something on Wednesday, but I would like to on Whatever, you see, so she can, and so that's a very clear, specific way. Now, here's the other reason why that's important, is because guys, if you don't do that, what she hears is, he didn't plan nothing. (laughs) He really just walked up in here and said, hey, you want to hang out? (laughs) What does that mean? And now here's the other thing, ladies. Now, you might say, because you, you feel bad for him, right? So you, you're like, I, I need to help him. And so, so you might say, when he says, hey, you want to hang out? You might be like, is there something specific in mind that you would like to do? Right? Because again, when you plan for somebody, doesn't it show honor? Like when you plan for somebody else, it's like you thought about them. You actually processed this. You didn't just kind of one day pick up the phone and say, girl, she's hot. I'll just get it. 
It's like you actually thought about it, right? And, and so, so what happens is the lady might say, hey, hey, uh, is there something specific in mind? Now, what you don't do, ladies, you don't say, if he says that, you don't say, well, would you like to go to coffee? Because, see, now you've changed the roles. Now you're asking him out. See what happened? And the reason that's important is because you got to get this. If you step in, he'll step back. Now, you might get the coffee, but whatever standard you're setting now is the standard you might experience later. And so if you want a guy that's going to plan for you, think about you, care about you in that way, then you make sure you establish that on the front end. It's important you see this, all right? That making sense? Okay. Number two, number two, rule of dating. That was for the men. And I, I did kind of talk about the ladies a little bit there too. But number two, ladies, agree to dates. Do not agree to some ambiguous hangout. Agree to a date. Now, why is that important? Because a date starts and a date ends. You see? Have you ever been in a situation where someone's like, hey, you want to hang out? And you didn't know when it ended? And you were like, I don't know how to end this. I don't even, and like you go home, you're like, is this thing over? Or did, like when I said, yes, I'll hang out with you, is it forever? I mean, I don't even know. The great thing about dates is it's a start and a stop and you can say yes or no. And then when, when the date is over, it's over. And if he says, hey, I would like to take you out to another, you can say, yeah, no, I'm not interested in that. Or I don't want to do that. You, you, you know, see what has happened? You didn't create some long-term relationship. You just simply said, this is what I'm willing to do, and this is what I'm not willing to do. And so the bar is set, ladies, on the first encounter. You are creating a bar. And so whatever you take on the front end, that's what you're going to get on the back end. Does that make sense? Everybody getting this? Oh, I'm, this is good stuff. I'm telling you. It's good stuff. And you know why this is important? Because what I found is sometimes, ladies, you will compromise in order to be in a relationship sometimes. And the reason you do it, in my opinion, is that you don't know how much you're worth. You just don't. And so you're willing to concede. You're willing to give things away that you shouldn't. And the thing you've got to see is that when you know who you are, when you know that you're a daughter of the Most High God, and that men in particular should treat you that way, you are not going to put yourself in a situation that is subpar. And my heart for you is that you would never put yourself in that kind of situation. Don't blend or bend or pretend or you will lose yourself in the end. When you bend, when you blend, when you pretend, all the things that were important to you, you're going to wake up one day and be like, what in the world just happened? And it might even start all the way back at that first day. Hey, you want to hang out? And then 20 years, he's still saying the same thing. Hey, you want to hang out? Never thought about it. Never, never even considered it. You see what I'm getting at? So number one, men ask girls out on dates. Ladies, agree to dates. 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 Number three, number three, 
Don't ever mistreat anyone, even if they don't seem to mind being mistreated. Come on. There are some people out there that don't mind. They're like, yeah, sure, mistreat me. And you know why that is? Because they don't know who they are. They've never been treated properly. They don't understand what God thinks of them. And so they allow that to happen. Men and women, you guys, you have to see it. We should never do that. God's plan for us is not that. His love says I should love someone the way that I have loved them, not some other version. And here's the thing that so happens, so, so often happens, is Jesus loved a certain way. We say we want to do that, but what happens is because it gets hard, it's like we kind of want to pull back a little bit. And here's the thing you got to see. Uh, Truth is always, truth always hurts less than betrayal. Truth always hurts less than betrayal. In other words, you would be better off saying to this man or this woman, hey, I just, I'm not into it. I'm just not into it. You would be better off saying that than lying to the human and someday them finding out. Does that make sense? And so what happens sometimes is we treat people poorly because we're just not willing to be honest. We're not willing to say what's really going on. We're not honest. And so we drag. That's why you've heard of things called stringing him along, stringing her along. That's what happens. So we're not honest. And, and the, 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 the most difficult part of this is that's all about you. You get that, right? Your inability to communicate what's true is about you, not about the other person. So it is okay to hurt someone's feelings. <gasps> like the pastor said that. It's not okay to avoid hurting someone's feelings to protect yourself from the discomfort of telling someone the truth. This is why relationships get complicated, because we're not honest. We don't say what's real. And there's all kinds of reasons why we do it, and I'm not bagging you. I'm just simply saying we have to be honest. Okay, number four. Look, look how fast we're going. Number four, don't allow yourself to be mistreated. So we're not going to mistreat anybody, even if they are fine with it. And we are not going to allow ourselves to be mistreated. You're fine because you're mine, God says to you. God loves you. You are worth something. And as a result, matter of fact, you're worth what Jesus did for you. Do you get that? This is the Son of God. He did everything for you. Why? Because He loves you. You're worth it. You are valuable. And so, if you know that about yourself... It'll be really hard to let other people mistreat you. If you're in a relationship where you're being mistreated, get out. Like now, like I've said this, text them now and say I'm out. I will not be mistreated anymore. Stick it. Now you shouldn't, that, don't add that part. Yeah, don't, don't say that. That would be bad. You should never allow yourself to be mistreated. And you know, if you're in a relationship right now, end it. If you're in a marriage where that's happening, it's not okay. 
It's just not okay. And you need to face it. And you need to make sure your partner faces it. And I believe God could do a work there. But if you've got two people that won't face it, there ain't no work that's going to happen. So you've got to face it. But God's plan for your life is not to spend the rest of your days miserable. And sometimes we get so religious, you know, I made a commitment, so I'm staying in misery with you. Great. And again, hear me, I'm not saying you should divorce your spouse. I'm saying that God's plan for your life is not to live that way. But you got to fight for it. You got to stand up and say, I'm not going to be treated like this anymore. I'm going to do something about it. That's God's plan for your life. And so make sure you see this. And I always kind of just look at it this way. If someone was treating my daughter the way you're being treated or the way, you know, you're experiencing that, would I be okay with that? It's a good measurement, isn't it? Because if somebody was treating my daughter poorly, I would go crazy on that human. <laughs> now, I, w- I wouldn't hurt him. But you think about that. Think about somebody important to you. Would you allow that to happen? Of course you wouldn't. Why do you allow it to happen to yourself? You're not a mat. You're a daughter of the king. You're a son of God. Come on. Stand up and just say, I'm not going to be treated like that anymore. We are having a different conversation today. God's plan for your life is to live in the goodness and to experience relationships like that. Okay, number five, and I'll be done. Number five is don't experience the same date over and over again. You ever seen the movie Groundhog Day? Some of you are experiencing that. Like you'll go out on a date and you're like, that was awful. And then you'll go on another one and you're like, oh, that was awful. And then you'll go on another one and you're like, oh, that was awful, right? Or, or maybe you're in the same kind of relationship. Like, you know, it's like, how do I attract these people? You know what I mean? And so you get into this cycle where you're like, oh, it's the same per- same thing, same thing. And so you're experiencing what we would call groundhog dating. You're having the same experience like that. Just like Bill Murray did. He woke up every day into the same day, you know, and he just tried to work it out. But it was awful, you know, and he didn't know how to get out of that cycle. Here's the good news today, guys. You don't have to live that way. You actually can be free. I want to share a principle with you that's so important is that your direction, not your intention, determines your destination. Your direction, not your intention, determines your destination. Well, what does that mean? In other words, if if my intention is to go this way, okay, but I'm facing this way, you see how I'm not going to end up in the destination that leads that way? And sometimes in relationships, we're facing in a particular way, wanting this to happen, but we're facing that way. And we've just got to see where are we pointed right now? Am I pointed towards goodness and love and God's plan? Or am I pointed towards something else? Am I pointed towards some other reality? And so what we have to do is learn how to date directionally different than what we currently are doing. We have to learn to date 
in a certain way so that we will experience a certain result. So why is it that we learn from our mistakes in the things that matter least, but we repeat our mistakes in the areas that matter most? Why is that? Like we'll learn from like little things, you know, like, ow, that's hot. I shouldn't do that. But for some reason on the big whoppers, we seem to repeat the behaviors and we're like, why does this happen? And you know why it happens. Like you're not unaware and yet it's right there and you just keep doing it and you keep doing it and you keep doing it. And some people might call that messed up. There's a clinical term for that, you know? They call you crazy, insane. And you're like, are you calling me insane? No. You're choosing to be insane. <laughs> Do you see the point, though? Is that we, 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 we get so focused on this, and we go in that direction, and it's the wrong direction, and we want to convince ourselves that it's the right direction, and it isn't. And I think there's some reasons why we do this. Number one, and this is all just called like the, the, the experience myth. In other words, if I date more, if I get more dating experience, I'll be wiser. Guess what? That's not true. Just because you gain experience doesn't mean you become wiser. It's not true. What, what, it, what is, is that if you have experience that you then examine in light of scripture and good counsel, then what happens is that experience can be turned into wisdom. But if you never engage it, if you never learn from it, if you never learn from that experience, you'll never experience the wisdom that comes from it. Oh, now, here's the second one. I just call this the no better myth. In other words, if I just know more, if I have, you know, not just experience, but if I know more about it, that somehow it's going to be better. Look, you can know a lot about something and be really bad at it. Right? Isn't that true? I mean, you can have all kinds of knowledge, but be horrible at execution. Just because you know something doesn't mean it's going to make you wiser or it's going to make you better. And then here's the other one, and I just call this the time myth, the time myth. And that is, time is against me, and so because time is against me, I need to do X. Now, I know none of you have ever thought that. I know none of you have ever heard someone say, hey, uh, your uh, biological clock is ticking. If you don't do something soon... Some of you, I'm 30 if I don't. Guys, no. This is one of the worst reasons to enter into a relationship with someone. It's a myth. It is not going to make things better. If anything, it's just going to expose what's there and it's just going to be worse. And so make sure you don't enter into things simply because you feel like you're up against the ropes. God's plan for you is not that. And so what happens is we have these unexamined assumptions and then we are willing to go down certain paths that don't lead to what we want. And what I love about Paul, Paul is so practical 
And he comes at us in Romans chapter 12 with something that I think will be very helpful to you. And this will be the last thing we talk about. But it's so important you get this. Paul tells us in Romans chapter 12, as he's kind of teasing out what it looks like not to experience the same thing over and over and over and over again, that we wouldn't have groundhog dates. He says this in verse 1. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do you see what he's saying? He's saying, I urge you, not, hey, if you think about it, if you're feeling like this, if you did. No, I am urging you. The Apostle Paul, can you get that? I mean, the Apostle Paul is looking you in the face and he is saying, I urge you to do this. I am urging you. Now, why would he urge me to do it? Because he says, in light of God's mercy, in light of all that God has done for you, in light of the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross, in light of his love for you, the love that was loving in such a way that, that it was pure and sacrificial, in light of all of that, in light of the love I experienced from God that I don't deserve, in light of all those things, he says to us, he says to us, offer your bodies, offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. And he, and he says, it's your true and proper worship. What does that mean? Your true and proper, that word means logical. It's rational. It's reasonable. For you to offer your life, your body, to say to God, here is a blank check for my life. It's yours. It is reasonable. It is not illogical simply because of what God has done for you. And so you, you, you hear him saying, so I'm supposed to do this. I'm supposed to offer my body. And then he goes on in verse 2. He says, do not conform. Do not conform. If you don't want a relationship like the majority of relationships, then don't date like the majority of daters. Do not conform, is what he says. Okay, so the world's doing it. So? You want something different. He says, don't conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Oh, it's so good. He's saying, be changed. And he says, how am I supposed to be changed? Renew your mind. My development is never done in a microwave. You get this. In other words, time is my friend. We sometimes feel like we've got our back against the wall and we got to do this. And if we don't do this, then that. Guys, listen, listen. God is in the business of transforming you. But guys, that takes time. It takes time. And it takes time me sitting at his feet. It takes time in his word. It takes time me listening to wise teachers and counsel. It takes time me sitting in the, in the chair and somebody shrinking my head. You know what I'm saying? It takes time for those kinds of things to come to be. 
And so often we want things now, don't we? We want things now. And what God is saying is that that's not why, that is not how I do things. You ever tried to paint something that you didn't scrape before? What happens to that paint? It just peels off. Because you didn't prepare the space. You didn't prepare the surface. And some of us are just putting lipstick on it and thinking it's going to be different. And it's not. And again, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not judging you as much as I'm just saying, you've got to slow down. You've got to give God time. The habits you created over 10 years, they don't just vanish in a day. The things that, that, that sometimes we smuggle into relationships, those things take time. And that's what I think you have to see is that time is your friend. Everybody just look at their neighbor and say, time is my friend. I don't feel like you guys own that. You say that like you like it. Time is your friend. Okay, some help them, help them, Lord. But see, time is something that God can work in. If you want to have your mind renewed, it's going to take some time. And that's why I say, like, if you're dating someone right now and it's not a good relationship, break it off. And then spend the next year of your life before Jesus, doing the work you need to do. And people, people think I'm crazy when I say that to them. They're like, oh, Pastor, that's the, are you punishing me? No, I'm trying to help you. Because the things you're feeling, the things that you thought were normal, that aren't normal, are the things you're going to keep doing in the next relationship until you figure out they're not normal. Because everything we've done in dating relationships, we thought were normal. <laughs> and that's why you've got to understand, we've got to give it some time. If you're, if you're like at a point where maybe you've experienced a divorce and you're, you're, you're looking at the possibility of marrying again, I just want to tell you, wait. Like people ask me sometimes, how long should I wait? Two years. <gasps> some of you are leaving the church right now. You're like, I'm out. I'm, I'm done. I get it. I get it. And you can do whatever you want. I'm just telling you, if you don't do the work, do you know the data on second marriages? The statistics go way up for them to fail. And you can argue with me all you want. I'm just telling you, do the work. Put the time in and watch what God will do. God will work in ways you never even knew about. It'll be so good. And I'll do the wedding. We gotta pause. We gotta work on ourselves. We've gotta, we've gotta begin to do these things. We've gotta prepare if we ever want to have these things happen in our life. All right. I'll end with this. Some of you are like, I thought you said you were ending like five minutes ago. <laughs> if you make this commitment to say, you know, I'm not gonna date for a year, I'm not gonna do this for two years, you know, whatever, just know. Like a week later, you're going to find that person. <laughs> that's just how it works. <laughs> and, and I just tell you, tell them, hey, can you wait about 50 weeks? <laughs> that's what you say. You just say, I, I've got a, I, I made a commitment, and I'm going to work on myself. And if you really want to be with me, you'll take that time. You'll pray for me. You'll help me, whatever. And so you're like, that's just horrible. I hate this church. 
I get it. I just, my heart so much wants you to be successful. I don't want you to get someday to a place where you have this cardboard box and you're putting all of these things in it. The thing that you never thought you'd do. The regret, all the stuff. I mean, what is it that you gain from serial dating? Put it all in the box. What is it? Nothing. Pain? What is it? Experience? So what? My heart is that you wouldn't put a bunch of junk in a box that someday you have to then pack up as you're leaving the door, as you're leaving the house, because it didn't work out. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much. I thank you so much for each person in this room and just their willingness to sit through this message. But God, I just, I ask in the name of Jesus, God, that you would begin to stir the hearts of people. Lord, that their relationships, uh, they begin to see what's really there. They'd see what's in them. They'd see what's going on in the relationship. But God, that they would make the hard choices now. Lord, I just believe in faith that you're moving in this room. And I just want to pray for you. If you're in a situation that you're having a hard time, maybe you're, maybe you're wanting to be better at something, I just want to pray for you. Maybe you're willing to make a commitment to the Lord today to say that I'm going to be better here. I'm not going to let someone mistreat me. I'm not going to mistreat someone. Like you're just saying, I'm going to be better today, God. I want to pray for you. God, I just thank you for just the openness and the willingness that's here. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you'd begin to heal the brokenness, that you'd begin to heal the places in our lives that are, that are difficult. God, that you'd begin to expose things that need to be exposed for good. If you're here and you're just like, I, I, I need this. I want to be better. Just say to the Lord, Lord, I need you. Forgive me for not doing it right. But would you come now and work in these areas? I need you. The Bible says he'll show up. Just say, I receive that today. Just receive it. You know, the Bible says that Jesus' deepest desire was that you would have a relationship with him. And I know as I talk about relationships, we were so focused on the human relationship. But to even have good human relationships, I've got to allow myself to be transformed by Jesus on a daily basis. I can't love people the way that God wants me to love people without his help. And so I've got to have that relationship. And so I don't know if that's your story. If I asked you that question, do you have that relationship? Do you know him? You know, and if you don't, I'm so glad you're here today. Because see, the Bible says that if you would just simply move towards him in faith, if you would believe that what he has done for you is true, that he went to a cross and died for your sins and three days later beat death, so that you might be restored back to God. That is, that is his heart. That is what you're worth. And all he asks for you to do is reach out because he's already reaching to you. And you do that by faith, by simply confessing with your mouth 
that these things are true. And so what I want to ask you to do with heads bowed and eyes closed, I'm just going to ask you to take a step of faith today if that's you. And so what I'm going to do is on the count of three, I'd love for you to lift your hand up as a statement of faith. I'm not going to point you out or bring you down front. I just want to be able to pray for you. And so if you're here today and you're like, I got to get this right. On the count of three, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. One, two, three. Go ahead. Raise it. Be bold. Be bold. Good. Good. Who else? Don't wait. It's okay. Awesome. You can put your hands down. We're so proud of you. Church, we're all going to pray together. Nobody's praying alone in here. And so if you did raise your hand today, we're going to all pray this prayer with you so that you don't feel alone. We're all hitting it together. And so repeat this prayer after me. Lord Jesus, I need you. Will you forgive me of my sins? Will you be my Savior? Will you be my Lord? Change me from the inside out. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can we celebrate those? Good. It's good.